Hello and welcome to the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast, where we are very close to the All-Star break. The All-Star game isn't really that relevant to this podcast, but you know what is? The NBA trade deadline, which also isn't that far away. So to talk about one player who's on a lot of people's radar for a trade, I brought in my co-host, the person I love to talk to about this stuff because he's so damn smart, Sam Quinn, CBS Sports NBA writer. How are you doing, Sam? So here I was about to take a victory lap about getting to the trade deadline and how hard basketball is on the media and how we need this time off. But you come in and you say, no, Sam is so smart. He's so ready to talk. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, damn it. Now I actually have to sound smart and informed and all that. So thank you for ruining the night before my all-star break, Colin. Well, that's what you do. You got to butter up the, you know, the, I know you're not a guest or a co-host, but when I'm the one introducing you, I got to butter you up, you know, hype you up. I'm like the hype man at a concert or I'm, I'm saying the end of your lines and wave my hands in the air. But yeah, do you have any plans for the All-Star break other than working? So I have, I am now traveling back and forth between California and Las Vegas. So I don't know where I will be for the All-Star break, but I will be somewhere trying my best not to work and probably failing at that. But fortunately. We're talking about my basketball soulmate today, so I think that'll lift my spirits a little bit. Wow, basketball soulmate. We don't throw that around very often. I would argue I am probably most known for a tweet about this player, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. Wow, this is such a tease. People are just on the edge of their seats if they didn't read the title to the podcast before I was they about listened. To say. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy we're talking about is none other than Kyle Lowry, Toronto Raptors all-star. Who remains better than Russell Westbrook, by the way. I just have to stay on brand. Is that what the tweet was? That's what the tweet was when this was, I think, during the bubble. I don't even think it was during the bubble. I think it was during the pre-bubble pandemic period where we were just all home. And we were all looking for stuff to debate. And I can't remember what got me into this, but I just tweeted it and like left. And then I came back to my computer two hours later. It was like, oh, Kendra Perkins saw this and was not happy. So, you know, we're up to like whatever the ratio number is. It was like some absurd number of retweets and quote treats where everyone in Canada, like I was their king for a day, but everybody in America was not pleased with me. But you know what? I think that tweet has aged very well. Yeah. And if you're on the side of the Canadians rather than the Americans right now, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, given the state of our two countries. Yeah. I think, you know, just there's, there's a pretty good shot that we're going to have to immigrate someday. Just, you know <laughs> what? They've got things better. And I'd like them to know, like I was on your side from the beginning. And for those of you who don't know, my wife is Canadian, so I'm just uh, sucking up to the boss. Oh, you're good? Yeah, you know. Anyway, Kyle Lowry. uh, I got a question about Kyle Lowry. So he's got kind of a weird career. Obviously, he had like, you know, his first few seasons was just really under the radar and didn't really do much until he got to Houston. And then once he got to Toronto, he turned to an all-star. Do you think Kyle Lowry is, uh, you know, underrated, overrated, properly rated? Where does he lie for you? I think if you think that Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is anything less than, I'll say, a top three player all time, like, he lost to LeBron a lot. You can say he's worse than LeBron. You know, worse than Jordan, okay. Anything other than that, and he's underrated. Like, that man, man is a king. That you're really going for this Kyle Lowry thing. Well, no, he is like, I, I, he's exactly the kind of player that constantly gets underrated. I mean, it's not like he's not a scorer. Like, he's hovered around 20 points per game for his entire prime like he's made several all-star teams but he did it in Canada so nobody was paying attention right like he's the sort of guy who like casual fans aren't thinking about taking charges they're not thinking about how well he switches on to bigger on bigger players on defense like the things that he does really well are not things that tend to be appreciated by mass audiences 
fortunately, he has me for that. And Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer and a legend. And I'm going to throw out a comparison for you. I think that he is this generation's Chauncey Billups, where I, Chauncey Billups obviously came into the NBA with a lot more fanfare. I think he was number three pick. But the general idea of hopping around to a couple different teams before settling in as an all-star and a champion, like that, that fits Kyle Lowry, right? Like, obviously starts in Memphis, goes to Houston, doesn't really break out until he gets to Toronto. Even when he's in Toronto, he almost gets traded to the Knicks in one of the funniest almost trades in NBA history. To those that don't know, the Knicks very nearly traded for Kyle Lowry before he became Kyle Lowry. The reason they reportedly didn't was that James Dolan, who had already traded for Carmelo Anthony in a deal that most think that the Nuggets won, was reportedly afraid of trading with Masai Ujiri, who was the Nuggets GM at the time, and then moved on to Toronto. Can you imagine if the Knicks had had Carmelo in his prime with Kyle Lowry? Like, they might have actually won something. That's a Yeah, I mean, and that's an interesting take, and it definitely gets to, like, you know, uh, would Lowry have become what he is were it not for the Toronto infrastructure and the coaching, you know, and the teammates and all that stuff, so... Uh, but I think so. I mean, he seems like the type of player that he was starting to figure it out in Houston. And then when he got to Toronto, things just kind of all clicked together. So the reason I mean, all of these accolades that you're throwing his way is, is the exact reason that why we're talking about him. Right. So he's in the last year of his contract. Toronto is in this weird place where they have a lot of young talent, but they are still uh, in their minds, I'm sure, a championship contender or at least, you know, in the upper echelon of Eastern Conference teams. But they kind of have a decision to make here. Do we continue down this road, run it back with Lowry and Van Vliet and Siakam and all these guys? Or do we kind of try to make a move here before, you know, Lowry's contract expires and try to get something for him at the deadline? So I think that's why a lot of teams are looking at him. Um, You know, obviously, you start with the contenders. One of the first teams that comes to mind is the Philadelphia 76ers. He seems like, you know, they need a primary ball handler. He seems like a tough guy. He's from Philly. It just seems the stars to be aligning there. Sam, do you see a path for him to get to Philly? I think if he gets traded, Philly is probably the likeliest destination. But I also, like, if you put a gun to my head right now, I would probably say I don't think that they're going to compromise just given the priorities of those organizations, right? Like, I look at what Philly's doing, and I look at the fact that they didn't trade for James Harden and think, Daryl Morey is probably trying to take the long view here. He's probably not going to want to give up Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel or like one of the really valuable young players that he has to get an older Lowry, especially right before Lowry becomes a free agent. On the other hand, I think an important part of this is parsing out where we think Toronto is, or more accurately, where we think that Toronto thinks that it is. Because they, I think if you gave them truth serum right now, Masai Ujiri would say that the Raptors are not a championship contender, at least not for this season. But I think they're the sort of franchise that never actually thinks that they're that far away. And like last year, they took Boston to game seven in the second round. You know, they won the championship two years ago. I think that they are thinking we may not be a championship contender right now, but we can get there in a year or two. And they have max cap space this offseason. Now, if they keep Lowry, that's where that space is going to go. But like, they were thinking we have a chance to get Giannis before Giannis resigned. They're probably thinking if Kawhi doesn't stay with the Clippers, like maybe we can make an enticing offer to him. I, I don't know. But I don't think the Raptors are thinking we are very far away. This is going to be a three, four year rebuild. They're probably thinking we want to do something that's going to help us next year. And getting 
some late first round picks from Philly? Like, is that going to really make a difference if they get a first round pick that turns out to be number 28? If they get, you know, a pick in 2024, 2025 down the line, is that really that valuable to Toronto? I would say no. So it seems to me like there isn't a viable compromise for that for those two teams, unless Philly really just says, screw it, we have a chance to win the championship. We'll give you Thibel plus cap filler for Lowry, or we'll give you Maxi plus cap filler. I don't think they're going to get to that point. But Philly is the team that if, if they wanted to do this, they're probably the favorite. It's probably where Lowry would want to go most if he does leave Toronto. And we don't know that he wants to, and his agent says that he doesn't. So... I wouldn't say a trade is, you know, a fait accompli or anything, but I think Toronto and Philly, I just have a really hard time finding a compromise that works for both sides. And it's funny you're talking about, like, it sounds like the Harden heat stuff where, like, oh, they're not going to give up Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson for Harden. You're like, uh, I don't know if Philly would give up Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thybul for Kyle Lowry. Like, is that a thing? This is a, this is a multi-time all-star we're talking about here. You're not going to well, give up those guys? Well, what's your priority, right? If you're Philly, are you thinking our goal is to win the championship in the next two or three years? Or is it we have Simmons and Embiid who are all-stars in their mid-20s. We think we can be very good for 10 years, and like maybe this isn't the move to go all in for. Like, What is their goal? Is yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking, I mean, uh, we've seen so many teams, you know, Oklahoma City, you see it in baseball where these they have these stacked young rotations, and everybody's like, oh, they're going to be in, a, you know, in the World Series for years, or they're going to be in the NBA Finals for years. And then, you know, things happen. So... If I'm Philly and Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball of his life and he's healthy, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't be a contender. If they get Lowry, who turns 35 on the trade deadline, coincidentally, how about that? Uh, if they get him, uh, are they, I mean, I guess this is a question for them. Are, are they on par with Brooklyn or Milwaukee at that point? Are they already well, better than Milwaukee? Who knows? But That's what I wanted to ask, yeah. and I'll be honest. I hate to be a downer, especially the playoffs aren't even here yet. We're at the halfway point. If the Nets are healthy, I don't think any East team is beating the Nets. Do you? It's, <laughs> it's going to be really hard. But but it's like the Embiid is like the, the antidote, right? He's kind of like uh, not exactly the same player, but kind of like Jokic. I was just kind of like matchup proof in the playoffs. I think that, that Embiid is the guy that a team with no center – or limited center play with DeAndre Jordan and, and Nick Claxton. I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch Nicholas Claxton, who's, who's the second coming right now. He is awesome. Yeah, but if they run into Joel Embiid in the playoffs, th- that would be a, a matchup that I think you know, if anything is going to give them trouble, that would. But can I throw something else out to you here, by the way? Yeah, I think we talk about the Nets as being a team with a pretty short timeline, where like. Oh, you know, if you're Philly, you could wait out the Nets in two years. You know, those guys will be older. Or they'll have injuries or one of them will leave. Can we talk about Milwaukee's timeline a little bit just on that same topic? Because Brooke Lopez is old. Chris Middleton is quietly a little older than people think. Drew Holiday has an injury history. They have no depth and they have no young talent whatsoever. I kind of look at the East and I think in two years, who's going to be there with Philly? I don't have a good answer. I mean, we'll get to one of the teams that I think might be in a little bit, but there's no like budding juggernaut in the East that I'm super concerned with. All of the really good young teams in the NBA, the sort of teams that I think could have knocked Philly out of the playoffs in a few years, they're all in the West. It's a good point. And I, I just, I, I would always caution against waiting 
weeding out you know if you have young talent i just say if, if you have the opportunity to go for it i say go for it but right i would just rather a, go for it with somebody who could fit both like get somebody who's 27 instead of somebody who's 34 right yeah so philly i mean it's always going to be a possibility but uh, i think both of us are kind of in agreement that gun to our heads we're probably going to say that they're not trading for kyle lowry this season i would say it's it's below 50 percent. yes so what's another team on the Lowry radar? I think the second team that most of us are looking at is Miami. And I think the fit is obvious on a number of levels. I mean, number one, if you just watch the way that they were losing games early in the season, I mean, after the COVID period, because that just decimated their entire roster. But like once they started to get everybody back, the thing that was killing them was their guard defense without Avery Bradley is just, it's absolutely atrocious. And guys are getting into the lane so, so easily. Kyle Lowry changes that. Obviously, his shooting is very helpful. Miami's offense kind of, I don't want to say falls off a cliff without Jimmy Butler, but really struggles without Jimmy Butler. So I think that would be a team that, if they were going to make an all-in push, probably would have some interest. But I think we encounter similar limitations with Philly, where who is Miami going to give up and, like, Given how high we assume they are on, let's say, Precious Achua, would they really want to give up Precious Achua for an aging Kyle Lowry? Probably not. I, I wouldn't think. I think Tyler Hero is off of the table for Kyle Lowry. Just the age difference. They're 15 years apart. That's just too much. I, I don't know what the package is here that really makes sense for Miami. Do you have anything in mind there? Um, I haven't looked too much into it, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't makes sense to me on in terms of who they would be sending back like obviously Lowry is a is a heat culture guy and you'd be great and you know in the playoffs would be tough but I just think you know knock on wood if healthy like Goran Dragic is probably going to be doing a, a lot of the same things that Lowry does in the offensive end obviously defensively it'd be a little bit different but um, at this point in the Miami in Miami's development I don't think that they're looking to trade for a 35 year old point guard who makes 30 million dollars but I think they're sort of like Toronto in that they're constantly thinking we're one year away. And I don't think they want to give up assets to try to fast forward when it's not there. When, like the Raptors, they have max cap space this offseason. So they think they can probably do something. And they made the NBA Finals last year. So, I mean, they have reason to believe that, look, we're, you know, 500 now, but we get our team healthy and we get on a roll heading into the playoffs. You know, there's no reason. You we just can't know do Miami's going up to somebody, upset somebody in the playoffs. Who's oh, gonna of course. Be? They're gonna somebody is no, going Milwaukee to again. <laughs> God, I really hope not. I think the internet would blow up if it was Milwaukee again. Well, Milwaukee's switching now, so that'd be good. I we're not gonna get this because Brooklyn's gonna be seated too highly. But like, if Miami ended up at six and got Brooklyn in the first round, isn't that like a classic overconfident? We're overlooking this team, and oh my God, it's game six and we're down twelve. Like. That just seems like a classic yeah. upset for me. 100%. You just like, Brooklyn seems like, all right, we're just letting them hang around. You know, we're in it. We'll turn it on at the end. And suddenly they're like, wait a second, what happened? It kind of reminds me of Nuggets Clippers last year, where like nobody believed the upset was possible until like five minutes after game seven, where like <laughs> the Nuggets had won and they were celebrating and you're still sitting there watching like, okay, but Kawhi's got a run in him, right? Like, yeah, Paul George isn't going to be this bad for the entire series, right? <laughs> It's game two of the Lakers series where you recognize, wait, this is the Western Conference Finals? The Clippers are out? Uh, that's just, Miami's going to do that to somebody this postseason. I think we can all just accept that now. I don't know who it's going to be. 
but somebody is going to lose to Miami and they're going to be disappointed by it. Well, I'm glad you made the comparison to the Clippers because I want to talk about the Clippers because I really, really want Kyle Lowry on that team. Just watching them, their inability to score for the last like 12 minutes against the Bucks the other night or afternoon, whenever they played, was just so hard to watch. And, and I just I think Lowry would just solidify so many things for them. They clearly need a point guard. They need someone who's not afraid at the end of games, and uh, he'd just be perfect, but... Man, their their situation there, they just can't trade for him. I tried so. Are you much. ready for our Stepien rule mention of the day? Ah, yes, thank God, I've been waiting for it. They do not have a tradable first round pick because of the Stepien rule, because they've given away every other pick is owed to the Thunder, and then obviously because of the Stepien rule, you can't dip into the other ones because you can't trade consecutive first round picks. So, no oh, yeah. first round picks to trade. Also, quietly, they are right up against the hard cap. So any trade they make, not only does it have to be even in terms of salary or close to even, it has to be even or close to even in terms of roster spots because you have to have 14. I believe they're at 14 right now. If you were to say do a four for one trade where the salary is even, they couldn't fill out the rest of their roster. So making any trade for them is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah. And then, I mean, even if they could make it happen, you're talking about what, like Marcus Morris and, you know, uh, Beverly and... They, Lou Williams, maybe it's just stuff that the Raptors would never they would never want. So, I <laughs> poor mean, Clippers. Yeah, there's just nothing there. I, I think they're probably shopping in a lower portion of the point guard market. Like maybe George Hill. Even that is kind of tough. Like we're gonna talk about him a little bit more later, but maybe Rajon Rondo. Like there isn't a high end point guard out there that's gonna save the Clippers. They're gonna have to take a risk at some point if that's what they want to do. Yeah, or, I mean, you know, I think they're pretty convinced about this Kawhi playmaker thing, so maybe they just, they're like, we don't need a point guard. I mean, how long ago was it? Like, it was, what, eight months ago where we were all saying Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA because in the last five minutes of the game, he's always going to be able to get his shot. Like, it's amazing how much that has changed. Now, I am not panicking in the way that I think a lot of other people are. I think the Clippers' clutch offense has some issues. I think a lot of it boils down to they get away from their offense and they just really, really get stationary in a way that I don't even think other teams do. I'm not totally convinced they need a point guard, but at the same time, I don't want to make a major trade for them just based on a couple of clutch losses in the regular season. I'm more optimistic about their clutch offense than I think other people are. Yeah, I think it's all that combined with what we saw against the Nuggets with, that's making everyone panic. Obviously, within the Clippers, I'm sure these conversations aren't as you know incendiary as they are on Twitter and with people like us. But just watching them choke away the Milwaukee game after seeing what we saw against the Nuggets, it's, just, it's impossible to just not go like, here we go, same old thing. So I would argue, remember, they were playing the Bucks, and the Bucks have some of their own clutch foibles. Maybe this has, has a lot more to say about the Bucks than it does about the Clippers. Where like maybe they're figuring something out with a lot of this Middleton Giannis pick and roll and having Drew back and honestly just guys making shots. Like I don't know. Maybe that had more to say about the Bucks than it did about the Clippers. Yeah, or maybe it was a regular season game and it means absolutely nothing. Well, that too. <laughs> Anyway, back to Kyle Lowry, the man of the hour. Um, let's get into a real trade. Let's 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 find a deal for this guy. We've talked about a lot of teams that we think probably won't work, but what what's a team that you think could actually make this deal happen? I don't know if I would advise this. I mean, 
they have been kind of excoriated lately for jumping the gun on their timeline a bit, but they clearly have a playoff mandate. And if you want to just bring in somebody who's going to help you win games and just not think too hard about how Kyle Lowry's the guy. So why not Atlanta? So here's, I have two first of all, I just, let's talk about the fit a little bit. Would it be, would it really be so hard for Kyle Lowry to play shooting guard? Like he could play off of Trey Young, right? I mean, he played with Fred Van Vliet. He played with Kawhi. He's played with plenty of perimeter ball handlers. He played with DeMar DeRozan. Like, yeah, he could no, fit a lot no positions track. anymore anyway. Right. Like, they just play your two best guards. Like, it doesn't matter. He can guard shooting guards, and he can play point guard when Trey goes to the bench, which is when Atlanta really needs help. Like, their bench lineups are getting killed. I think there are other reasons for that, boiling down largely to injuries. But, I mean, if Kyle Lowry is the guy leading your bench unit, like, that dude can play with anybody. Like, if you look at Toronto's bench lineups over the years, they're always really good because it's always Lowry plus four bench guys. So I have a couple of proposals on that front. Let's hear I'll it. start with kind of the simplest one. What about Onyeka Okongwu, the number six overall pick, plus cat filler, which you could say is Rondo and Tony Snell, let's say, for Lowry. So if you're Toronto, you're basically getting a number six overall pick in his rookie year who plays a position of need because you don't have a center and if you're the Hawks, obviously you still have Clint Capella and John Collins. John Collins is a restricted free agent this offseason, and obviously we've heard differing things about how interested they are in resigning him. If you get rid of a Kongwu, maybe that motivates you to keep Collins as well and just say that's our front court of the future. Capella and Collins, boom. It sucks to give up a number six overall pick, but we're getting Kyle Lowry. We're help- he's helping us with our playoff push. He's going to make us a respectable team. What do you think about that offer before we get into the next one? This is the Travis Schlenk, I'm getting fired anyway. I might as well do this trade because. Right. They've already fired their coach and their GM is, let's say he's on the hot seat. Yeah. So he's looking at it like, look, this, our owner has told me it's it's playoffs or die. Um, Clearly we're not headed in that direction. Um, We need to do something drastic. So. Um, I think I'm, – I'm trying to think if Toronto would be would do this for Okongwu. I loved Okongwu in the draft. Obviously, so I liked him better than Wiseman. Yeah, we haven't seen him play at all, and he, we're not going to see him play, which is going to be the problem because of all those forwards that you mentioned, um, forwards and centers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I guess we're looking at if Toronto has decided, like, Lowry is not part of our future anymore. Sure, I can see them doing it. Um, I think one of the other benefits of this version of the trade is that it doesn't compromise Toronto's cap space for the offseason, at least not that much, right? Like, you'd have to figure out something to do with Rondo, but you could get off of Rondo pretty easily. A Kongu makes like $6 million. That's not the end of the world. You'd still be looking at a lot of cap flexibility to upgrade whatever else you want to upgrade, but you'd also get a number six overall pick. My question for Atlanta more than anything is minutes. How are you going to find enough minutes for Trey, Lowry, Bogdanovich when he's healthy, Herter, Hunter, Reddish, Gallinari, Collins, and Capella? Just are you only playing those nine? Are they even going to be satisfied with the shots and with the minutes? That's, I mean, that's their problem now. Like, that's that was the issue with what they did this offseason, bringing in all these guys. And I don't think anybody dislikes Bogdan Bogdanovich or Daniel Gallinari or Rondo. Well, a lot of people dislike Rondo, but I don't think anybody thinks that they're bad players. But I think bringing them into the situation where you have all this young wing talent 
that needs to play and get ready, that was kind of the issue is you were pushing those guys out or creating, you know, minutes battles and stuff like that where it was kind of unnecessary. So obviously bringing Lowry in will will have that same problem. But I think like we talked about at this point, you're just like, all right, we're playoffs or bust. So, you know, we'll figure out the rotations later. And if it means not playing some of our young guys, then that's what it has to be for now. I think I hate to say this because, you know, you never want to call We're talking about Kyle Lowry, the poster child of this. You never want to call any rookie a bust after the first year. But like, wow, Where I'm not calling. A, well, well, hang on. I'm not calling <laughs> a Kongu a bust. What I'm saying is if they're smart, they're going to keep John Collins and Clint Capella has been awesome for them. So what is a Kongu's role there? Like, is his best case scenario, even if he maxes out as a player, being their third big man? I mean, I, I guess, like, I, I don't know what the long-term role is for him, especially when you get down to the playoffs and you're not playing your bigs as often. And I presumably they're going to be in the playoffs in the future, if not this year. If you could get out of that now and not put yourself in a situation similar to, say, where Orlando is with Mo Bamba, if the Magic offered Mo Bamba for Kyle Lowry, what would the Raptors say? No. Exactly. Who is you, this? The, How'd you get this number? How, do the Hawks want to put themselves in that position with the Kongu, which is, I hate to say this, where they're headed if they keep John Collins, which they should. So I think there is some value in getting off a player that maybe you shouldn't have picked in the first place, given your your entire situation. I, I don't know. Like, I, I still like a Kongu. I think he can help a team. I think the Raptors would be perfect for him. But I just don't know what his role in his role is in Atlanta so if you could cash that chip in now while well, it sells a fair bit of value, I, I would highly consider doing it. Do you think that they drafted him uh, behind those guys because they want him to be a perfect combination of John Collins' offense and Clint Capella's defense and just like mold those two together into one player? I mean, I don't think he's going to be either based on how well <laughs> that, was that those the, guys Was that the thinking behind it? I think they drafted a Kongwu because they weren't close to John Collins on an extension. And they were probably thinking... We're not going to bring John Collins back. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. John Collins isn't that good. And then this season started and, oh my, John Collins is that good. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you have reservations about playing Collins and Capella together, what the hell are you going to do with a Kongu and Capella? You're not playing them together. Well, you could do it if Trey Young was as good as Stephen Curry, but he's not. Which That's I think was another con- big conversation for another day. built on. Right? Like, so, you can play two big men if you have Stephen Curry, but like, the Hawks don't have Stephen Curry. That, well, he shoots from the distance of Stephen Curry, even farther. Our Brad Botkin has something to say about that. He takes more deep threes than Curry ever has. I'll throw out the other offer that I have. Yeah, let's hear it. What would you think about Bogdan Bogdanovich for Kyle Lowry? I'm just going to throw this out there. If not for the injury, if Toronto had – they have Max Capspit this summer – if Bogdanovich was healthy and a free agent, doesn't he, A, seem like somebody they would go for, and B, like, he just got $18 million a year. Isn't that around what Toronto would want to pay him? Like, if you have a chance to get a guy who's 28 instead of a guy who's going to be 35 on the deadline, you're kind of just pushing the timeline back, right? Like, Bogdanovich isn't as good as Lowry, but, you know, he offers similar things, at least offensively, a little more shot creation, which you could use. I don't know. I think the injury might scare Toronto off, but I think that would be a fit. It's not bad. I, I definitely like it. Um, I, I think the reservations would be defensively. And, you know, obviously Toronto has just built this 
entire culture on defense and the way that they fly around and do all this weird stuff. Um, I, I'm sure you could find ways to incorporate Bogdanovich, but going from Lowry to him defensively seems like it could be a serious blow. And I don't know if you're really gaining all that much offensively. Um, but then you have to look at like if you're going to lose Lowry anyway. But, uh, you know. Well, I'll ask you this. What are they doing with that cap space this offseason? Because I don't think they're going to get Kawhi. I don't know what's out there that's that much more appealing than Bogdanovich. Like, if you could sign Bogdanovich to three years, $54 million this offseason if you're the Raptors, I don't know what's out, what, what that is out there is better than that. So, But you could argue that if you're trading Lowry, what you're really trading him for is the proper usage of that cap flexibility. That's fair. I could see that. You think they got a shot at like Mike Conley or somebody like that? I have to imagine Mike Conley is staying put. Like, yeah. And I feel the same way with Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is just going to extort the Suns for some, one big last contract. Mike Conley is going to extort the Jazz for one last big contract. Like, I think there are other contenders that would probably like to take a run at those guys, but I just don't view it as likely that either of them leave. Ooh, what about uh, Oladipo? I know you're, I think we're going to talk about him next week at some point, but uh, he seems like a, a Toronto guy. He does, but like if he does, if he leaves, he's probably going to Miami, right? Like that's what we all assume. Like if all offers are equal, it seems like he wants to go to the Heat. I don't think that the Raptors would offer substantially more than Miami would. Like I think they would be operating on similar information. Now, the other thing is, how excited would you be about signing Oladipo right now? It's a good question. And it's hard to tell because, like, I don't know. I mean, personally, just watching him in Indiana last year and before he got traded to Houston, he didn't seem like he was very enthusiastic. I don't know if he was always that way. He seemed like he played before the injury a lot more with a lot more spirit and verve. Um I don't know if that'll change if he goes to, you know, obviously the situation in Houston right now is a complete disaster, so you can't really judge this. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's going to be hard for teams to kind of gauge like what kind of player he's going to be if they do sign him long term. Um, I think offensively, he's probably not ever, well, I don't want to say ever, but like I don't think he's going to be as good as he was pre-injury. I just think that's the sense I'm getting for him, but what he can bring defensively and as a kind of secondary playmaker and shot creator, I think he's still going to be pretty damn good. I think the fundamental question with Old Depot, and you have to accept a certain loss of explosiveness. He's not quite as quick as he was before the injury. That's fine. You build that in. The real question is how well he's going to shoot. And before he got traded, he was shooting pretty well for the Pacers. I think he was at like 37 or 38%. He gets to Houston and he's on this God awful offense, especially after Christian Wood gets hurt. And now he's doing the thing where he takes nine threes a game and he makes two of them. Or I don't know what the numbers are, but it's something like that, where there are a lot of like two for eights and two for nines, where the volume is kind of deceptive and he shoots with the volume of a much more confident shooter, but he just doesn't make any. Like it's a little Westbrookian. If that's what he's going to be moving forward, you just don't want that guy on your team. If that's a symptom of being on a bad team and he could adjust a little bit, you know, make more open shots on a better offense. Now we're probably talking, but I'll be honest. I wouldn't be the team to make the big commitment to Victor Oladipo at this point. Wow. Yeah, but, I mean, as you've said many times, like, who are you going to pay? Like, you got to get somebody, you know? And if he's My answer is them, John Collins' offer, offer sheet. 
My answer to all of these teams is go max out John Collins. Just max him out. Yeah. Just say, okay, Hops, you really don't want him? Fine, we'll take him. <laughs> yeah, I, I need. I think the Hawks need to figure out. Well, getting back to our trade for Lowry here, what is 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 Lowry then re-signing with them? Is that the idea, or is this just like solely uh, let's get to the playoffs right now and worry about the rest later for Atlanta? I would assume that he would resign. Like it would be a little bit like Chris Paul going to Phoenix, where you're joining a young team that clearly has the talent but they aren't quite there yet, whatever that means. Like, they don't have the it factor. Kyle Lowry could be for them what, what Chris Paul is for Phoenix, where gets them into the playoffs this year, but then next year you're thinking like, okay, we have the right mix of veterans and youth. We have all the talent we need. Let's go make a run at being a top four seed and, like, really making some noise. Yeah, I mean, would they? do you think that they would be willing to throw any sort of draft compensation at the Raptors? If they're giving up a number six overall pick, they're not giving up another first. Like, maybe a second. Um, If you're doing the Bogdanovich trade, I guess just given the risk of his injury, maybe you would throw in, like, a protected first, but I I still doubt it. Um, But seconds, seconds galore. I mean, that's my attitude on this show, right? Like, I'll throw in (laughs) as many second-rounders as it takes in any trade. Seconds don't mean anything. So what's your trade? I I know you have one that you like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not definitely not opposed to that Atlanta thing, and I could see just having read all the stuff about uh, Lloyd Pierce and kind of how that team seems a little lost and frustrated. I could see them like making a move that maybe you know they wouldn't have made a couple months ago. So that makes sense to me. And my team is is a very similar situation. So the way I looked at this, I mean, we talked about all those kind of contending teams in the beginning, uh, the, the teams at the top of their conference, and it's. The question for me was always like, what are the Raptors getting back? Like, why are the Raptors doing this? So kind of along your lines with the Hawks trade where you're getting back a young player who you kind of is at least somewhat of a known commodity more than just a a future draft pick. Um, My team is the Chicago Bulls. And uh, I I think they're in a very similar situation to the Hawks, right? They're kind of a, a young team on the cusp of of becoming a playoff team or Zach Levine is coming into his own as a leader and an all-star. Um, but the Bulls have too many young players, right? They got to get rid of somebody. That guy um, most likely will be Lowry Marketing, right? So I would say it's very likely that he's, or I don't want, not very likely. I think there's a very yeah. good chance that he leaves as a restricted agreement. Of all of their young guys, Levine, Carter, White, Patrick Williams, I think Markinen seems like the guy who's most likely to leave out of those guys. Yes, I would agree with that. So if the Raptors can trade Kyle Lowry to the Bulls and they can get back Lowry Markinen and then they'll get Otto Porter just to match the salaries. And I think they have to throw in like Patrick McCaw or something like that just to make the salaries match. If they even have to do that. Cause the Bulls How dare you send whatever. Patrick McCaw to a just- non-defender? Get him out of How does he end up on the Nets out of this? Because Patrick McCaw is not allowed to play for lottery teams. Maybe, maybe he'll get bought out afterwards. But anyway, the point is, Kyle Lowry goes to the Bulls. Uh, we can push Kobe White back to the bench where he belongs. He doesn't have to share the court with Zach Levine that much. Uh, they have a, a gritty, proven veteran who can help them get to the playoffs and maybe make some noise, mentor their young players, uh, you know, re-sign there on whatever you know discount or whatever he gets. Um, and kind of usher this team into being a, a successful playoff team. And for Toronto, you're getting a, an exciting young player who's shown flashes of being an incredible offensive player. He can stretch the floor, 
which, uh, you know, we all know, like we always talk about, Toronto loves their shooting bigs. And then if, you know, Otto Porter just turns out to actually play basketball, he could reside there at some point. But that's obviously not why you're doing the trade. So essentially you're getting Lowry marketing for Kyle Lowry. Sam, who says no? Kyle Lowry? He can't I mean, why, no. why, does, why does he want to go to Chicago? I mean, he can't say no. He doesn't have a no trade clause. But, I mean, if you're trading for Kyle Lowry, especially if you're trading somebody who's young and talented and who you have match rights on, you probably want it to be for somebody who'd want to stay there for the long haul. I don't know why Kyle Lowry is resigning with the Bulls, and I, I don't know why the Bulls are doing it at that point. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're keeping Markinen. I would probably say it's likelier than not that he's gone in some form by next season. But, I mean, hell, I'd rather just trade him for a first-round pick or something. The other thing about this is, I mean, we can debate this a little if you want. I think Atlanta is far closer to doing anything interesting than Chicago is. And I know that Zach Levine made the all-star team over Trey Young, but like Trey Young is better than Zach Levine. We can agree on that, right? Like he's a far better team generator of offense. He's also in his third year and Zach Levine is in his seventh. So clearly Levine does not have as much room to grow as Trey does. Like I, I personally like Atlanta's other young guys a lot more. I think DeAndre Hunter is better than any other young bull. I like Cam Reddish a lot. John Collins is like already very, very good. Like, I think Atlanta has a real path to like being a very good team next year. I don't see that for Chicago at all. Here, here's my counter, and you bring up very valid points, but you you yourself were just talking about the logjam in Atlanta and all the players that need to get minutes there and everything like that. That's a consideration. I also think that playing alongside Trey Young, like let's be honest, hasn't been the most uh, inviting proposition for a lot of players. And I don't know if Lowry is a 35, 36, 37 year old is going to want to kind of play second fiddle to a guy who doesn't move off the ball and likes to dominate and gets pissed when you mess up his assist, stuff like that. I think playing your counter is Zach Levine, (laughs) Zach Levine. I'm telling you playing next to him makes a lot more sense than playing next to Trey young, because now Levine can, he could take away all of that, you know, dribble, 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 playmaking stuff that he has to do now because the Bulls have no one else to do it. And Lowry can, can, obviously we talked about how he can play on or off the ball, but I think he could play more of, of the point guard duties and let Zach just be like a traditional shooting guard, like what he should be. I don't think Zach Levine is a Kyle Lowry away from turning into like Clay Thompson. Like I think Zach Levine- He's Clay Thompson now. Have you looked at his numbers? It's not, I'm not doubting the quality of the shooting. I'm saying stylistically- I don't think that the reason he dribbles so much and the reason he has the ball so much is strictly because Chicago needs him to. I think it's because that's the way he wants to play, right? Like, well, I, eventually, I eventually I, if you want to be good, you have to learn that you can't play that way. Like, I think that's part well, of what's going on. I agree, but who's going to be more malleable? The guy in his third season who's never made the playoffs or the guy in his seventh season who's one year away from free agency? If he doesn't like playing with Kyle Lowry, like, then Levine's just going to leave in 22. Everybody loves playing with Kyle Lowry. Well, right. That's my point. Then Trey Young will fit alongside him. He'll learn how to play alongside Lowry because everybody does. All right. Well, uh, like we said, this isn't Kyle Lowry's choice, so it's up to the Raptors. If you're the Raptors, what do you like better? Do you want to get Okongwu or Bogdanovich, or do you want to take a chance on Markinen? I'm taking Okongwu. I'm taking the guy with three years of team control at a bargain. But he's just... I think in terms of, okay, like we both talked about how much we like a Kongwu. I think he fits in. But like you have Chris Boucher, who's like 
a Kong Wu, but can shoot three pointers. So like, you why, know, my I, answer is why not keep both? Like, has Chris Boucher ever been a 35 minutes a game player? No. Yeah, but it doesn't go well. I think you'd be just fine with those. So I don't think that's really the concern here. Like, my big fundamental question is, what are the Bulls with Kyle Lowry? Are they a playoff team this year? And they're not one of the top six. Like, they'd be a play-in team. And at that point, you have to beat somebody half-decent to get in. And then... Even after that, you're getting smacked by Brooklyn or by Milwaukee in the first round. So The same stuff applies to Atlanta, though. Right, but I think Atlanta has a path to being like really, really good in a year or in two years. like Within the realistic Lowry framework. Whereas, I don't see any scenario where Lowry going to the Bulls makes the Bulls a top four seed next year. Do you? Like They're still too far away. They're still waiting on Patrick Williams, who's a teenager. They're still... They, they don't know what their front court situation is. Like, there are just so many question marks there. I think the best-case scenario for Chicago is, like, they're two or three years away from anything. I I also I mean, obviously, part of this trade is getting Lowry out of there. So, or, sorry, we have Lowry and Lowry Markinen and Kyle Lowry. Getting Markinen out of there so that Patrick Williams can just have the power forward position. We don't need to worry about that. So, so that's part of the development. Uh, on this front. Nobody's talking about this because, oh, he's so happy. He's like, he's finally an all-star. Great for Zach Levine. Zach Levine is like 16 months away from free agency, and he's playing for a team that is not currently in the playoffs. Like, you might only have one swing to satisfy Levine and to get him to say, you know what, Chicago is the place that I want to set roots and spend my prime. Is trading for a 35-year-old the way to do that? If if he's the teammate that everyone says he is, he's going to be like, look, this this showed me that this franchise is committed to winning. I'm willing to stake my claim and be a part of it. Or we go the other way and it's a total disaster. And then Lowry doesn't resign. And then you can trade Levine and, and move forward with your other young guys. So who cares? It's going to be the middle. What I think what would happen is they would be a play in team this year. And then like either Lowry leaves or. He stays in your playing team next year, and like you don't get a commitment out of Levine, but he enters free agency and he's looking at that roster and he's saying, "Well, Patrick Williams is too far away, and Kyle Lowry is 36, so he's not going to be able to win with me. Why don't I look around to a team that could get me to the deep stages of the playoffs right now?" I mean, anything's possible. That's why we do this podcast, Sam. If you're going to say anything's possible on, on an NBA podcast, I think you have to do it like Kevin Garnett. Anything is possible! I think if you're going to say those words on an NBA podcast, you have to say them like Garnett. I don't care who you are. I don't care which NBA podcast. But I think you just have to go in with that emotion. What you going to say now? What you going to say now? Is Kyle Lowry the best Kyle to ever play basketball? I was just thinking about this. I mean, probably Kyle is not a basketball conducive name. When I hear Kyle, I, I, I think amateur tennis and surfing. There's pretty, there's some pretty good Kyles active actually. Name Kyle, me the Kyles. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Lowry's better. Kyle Anderson. Slow mo. Lowry's better. I know I know Lowry's. I'm just saying it's right. not. Yeah, it's just not, list all your Kyles. Kyle O'Quinn. Yeah. Kyle Korver. Korver's probably the best non-Lowry that we've heard so far. Kyle Guy. That's eh, a stretch. <laughs> Kyle Kyle Singler. I'm willing to admit that we're probably in a golden age of Kyles. Like, I don't think that we had this many playable Kyles in, like, 1972. But 
I have to imagine Kyle Lowry is the best Kyle ever, unless we're just, are we really like egregiously forgetting somebody? Like, is Patrick Ewing's first name secretly Kyle? Are we? Yeah, maybe that, that would be the only thing that we're like missing. But uh, we're we're clearly <laughs> forgetting like Kyle Abdul-Jabbar. Like, there's got to be somebody that we've just totally forgotten. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm looking through. Kyle Gibson, Kyle Barone, Kyle Curick. Yeah, no, we're doing well. I think he's got it. He's got the crown. He he probably has it, but like I can't help but feel like we're forgetting somebody. Like somebody who was like a really important part of like the 1978 Bullets or something. Like some obscure championship team or finals team. I well, don't know, man. Listeners, if you're hearing this and you can think of a, a Kyle that we're forgetting, just bombard our DMs and, and mentions and just crush us. I was looking up earlier NBA players named Baker, and there is not currently one, and that's such a shame because I was thinking the Hawks could get them, and it would be like the opening line of Beauty and the Beast. There goes the Baker with his tray like always. Wow. That's, yeah. That's a deep cut. That is a deep cut. How, how are you old enough to watch Beauty, Beauty and the Beast? I was a child once. I think I was not around, or at least I think it came out in – 90, 91. I was born in 92. So, like, I wasn't there for the theatrical run, but, like, I was there. I, I saw it growing up. I had the VHS as a kid. I love that. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I have been watching. Give me your number one. What's your number one of that era of Disney? Oof. Oof. Uh, Lion King. I mean, it's a solid choice. I can't dispute it too much. Yeah. I've always been partial to Aladdin. See, I'm not an Aladdin guy. Have I told you my genie strategy? People always get it wrong. Nobody thinks this through. Wish you know how they always say, no, no, you can't wish. That's you what can't. they always say. <laughs> they always say, oh, no, you can't wish for unlimited wishes. No, no, that's not the plan. This is canonically genie fact. This happens at the end of Aladdin. Jafar wishes to be turned into a genie. Therefore, we know that genies can turn humans into genies. Therefore, you don't need to wish for a million wishes. You can just wish for a million genies. What you do is, first wish, wish for something that you want. Second wish, wish for, I don't know, some guy over there to become a genie. Go grab his lamp really quickly. Third wish on the original genie. You free that genie, and now you have a genie friend for life. But you have the second genie to repeat the process with over and over and over again for as many wishes as you want. That this is the move. This sounds like it's just like logistically wishing for infinite wishes, which would get snubbed out. They would just be like, all right, we see we see right through your scheme. This is like the Bernie Madoff of, of genies. We're not going to let you do this. I prefer to think of it as like Daryl Morey on the Chris Paul trade, where he gathered all of those non-guaranteed contracts and he traded like 11 of them for Chris Paul. I think it's just that. I think that's a loophole that might get close after the fact, but in the moment it would work. Or when he tried to do the Nene incentive thing, which it's like we're going to count it as By the, the way, it <laughs> should have worked. And I mean, honestly, if, if he had a committed enough owner, what they really should have done was just like given Nene a one year, $15 million contract. Like forget about the incentives. Don't tempt the NBA. Just sign a contract exclusively to trade it. And I wish more teams did that because like I, I can't remember which who the players were exactly. But I remember a few years ago, I think it was when Boston signed Al Horford. They hadn't had cap space in like 30 years. So they had bird rights on guys who were like dead. Like they had guys cap rights on guys who were like 20 years retired. Like they still have bird rights on like Dino Raja, on like Shaq. 
on like just guys who had not played basketball in decades. So my thought is like, if, if you're totally being honest about we are going all in to win, more really rich teams should just sign their own guys with bird rights, no matter how bad they are, to huge contracts just for the sake of trading. A huge one-year contract, to be clear. I think you mentioned somebody who did that this season. I don't remember who it was, though. I don't think there was any as egregious as, like, Nene for one year, $15 million. Yeah, we talked. It was, uh, it was, it was oh, Rodney, Rodney Hood. That's Rodney Hood, yeah. yeah. Who had the non-guaranteed deal. Like, he's going to get traded before the deadline, I would assume. Well, speaking of getting traded exactly before the deadline, it, uh, March 26th rolls around, the day after the trade deadline. Is Kyle Lowry a Raptor, or is he on another team? I'm going to guess he's a Raptor. I just yeah. think what's probably going to happen is the Raptors are now playing well enough that they'll probably say, maybe we can win around and like we can kind of figure it out from there. Then they're going to get to the offseason, and they're going to have this max cap space, and they're going to look around and see nobody to spend it on. So they just say, okay. Kyle Lowry's the best we can do. Let's just keep him and see what happens. I agree. I think he just does too much for that team, and they'll look around, like you said, and, and say, well, what's the alternative? Like, what are we, you know, what are we going to get in this place? And I think we're headed for a couple years of Raptors purgatory. I don't know what their path back into championship contention is, but Raptors purgatory isn't the worst thing. Like, they're fun, and they try a million weird things on defense. And, you know, if they're a five seed for the next couple of years, they're a pretty fun five seed. Yeah, and they'll be a tough out. I don't think teams are going to be excited to play against them in the playoffs. So, How long do you think it takes us to come back here and start throwing out like Pascal Siakam trades? It's going to be like two months. Less than that, definitely. We're going to be unsatisfied with the non-competitive Raptors very, very yeah. soon. Yeah, this is going to be like, yeah. well, it sucks for them because they were, they were starting to play well, and then they lost all of their coaches and several players to COVID, and now it's like, they're going to have this long climb back, and I think they're that's they're just going to be like around 500 for a long time. So well, the All Star break is going to help them on that front. Yeah, but I think I think I don't know. It seems like the teams that have had COVID problems, like even when they get all their players back, there still seems to be a little bit of a, a lag there, just from you know players yeah. getting back in condition, and you just lose that chemistry and the mojo. You know, it's weird, weird season. Especially playing in Tampa, like they, it's been a weird season for them from the start. Anyway, Sam, well, hopefully uh, we'll have some action around the trade deadline, and hopefully you can actually get a little bit of rest during the All-Star break. Uh, are you excited about the skills competition and three-point contest and the I, halftime I, dunk contest? <laughs> I can't even muster up the energy to be sarcastic about it. I really just I, – I have so little interest in the entire affair. I would honestly love to just, like, disappear off the face of the earth from Friday through Tuesday – like, we, we media people, we deserve an all-star break, too, and the NBA just wouldn't let us have it. So I'm a little grumpy about the whole thing. Well, just put all your money on Cassius Stanley and don't even worry about it. I saw that that guy hit his head on the backboard in a state championship game in high school, so I'm all in on him on the dunk contest. After anyway, my Duncan Robinson lost in the three-point contest last year, I will not be touching those events again. This oof, year. I, I picked Bertans, I think. He got pretty far, though. Anyway, Sam, uh, hopefully uh, we'll see some stuff with Kyle Lowry in the next few weeks. I'm sure there will be lots of rumors, as they already are. And uh, we'll be here to dissect anyone who gets talked about and probably some people that don't get talked about. So appreciate you coming on. Pleasure as always, Sam. Pleasure as always, Tom.